Today's gospel has these three beautiful parables of forgiveness. And the famous parable of the prodigal son is maybe one of the most beautiful passages in, in all of scripture. Um, we studied this when I was in Greek class in the seminary and got to translate the whole thing directly from Greek, which makes it really beautiful because you, you find meaning in every single word as you have to go through and translate it. And it seems like St. Luke uh, meant every single word that he put into this story. Um, we know the story. I mean, it's so beautiful that Jesus underlines this, these two brothers, uh, the one who decides to squander everything that his father gave him, his whole inheritance on selfishness, and the other who is unable to celebrate his brother's return because he's, he's too proud and uh, he's too jealous of the father's love for his brother. Jesus is telling the story because, because the Pharisees caught him hanging out with sinners and spending time with people who were considered by them, by the Pharisees, to be unworthy of a holy man's attention and time, um, who deserved to be rejected because of their actions. The Pharisees are like the older brother in the parable. And we like to call this the parable of the two sons rather than the parable of the prodigal son, because it's really about the two, the two brothers. Um, it's really maybe even more about the older brother because of the context. Jesus doesn't need to preach this message to the, to the sinners. He's preaching it to the Pharisees because of their coldness, their hardness of heart. Well, one time I was with a group of young adults and we were discussing this passage. We used this as our, uh, as a topic for a gospel, a gospel reflection, a little discussion. And um, I think most of the people in the group felt like they identified with the younger brother who had been sinners and had come back and received God's forgiveness. The way I do, I identify with the younger brother, right? And, uh, and but one of them uh, read us the little section about the, the older brother and then said, well, that's us, isn't it? And it was one of those, people who's been striving for holiness and maybe has achieved it to a degree and has overcome sin in their life and felt like maybe our tendency is to be kind of judgmental of people who are sinners and look down on them. Um, I thought that was really striking because the gospel touched this person's heart because of the realization that it was pointing out what was wrong. If my attitude is that I judge those people who are sinners who haven't got it all right yet the way I do, then really I'm like the older brother in the parable. And really this parable is for me. Um, I think the church continually has that struggle. Whenever we uh, kind of gather to, to worship or to, to believe in God as a community, uh, and whenever we strive to be good, uh, we run the risk of starting to think that we're better than those who are on the outside or that uh, we need to look down on them or we need to tell them that they need to change. Um, it happens in our own families when we see someone who's wrong, who's sinning. That we, the first thing we think of is, how can I make that person change their behavior um, rather than the attitude of Jesus, right? Jesus didn't ask all the prostitutes and 
tax collectors and drunkards to change and to become holy first before eating meals with them. That's why the Pharisees were scandalized, because he was eating with sinners. Um, I think the church fails in its mission when it makes a sinner feel unwelcome. And sadly, I think that many of our communities are like that. We have uh, churches where, you know, people will look badly at you if you're not doing things perfectly, if you're not really quiet, um, or where it just seems like everyone's got it all together and there aren't any sinners there. And, and someone who comes in who is a sinner just feels completely out of place. And I think that we as the church need to be boldly like Jesus. We need to be like Jesus and the Jesus who inspired the Pharisees to say, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. We need to make people say that about us. These people welcome sinners and eat with them. Um, I think our heart needs to be like St. Paul's in this, this beautiful first reading where he's writing to Timothy and he's talking about himself. Jesus has strengthened me. Um, he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. He says he's the foremost of sinners. Uh, St. Paul, the great preacher, the great apostle, considers himself to be the foremost of sinners. You know, how many people feel like they shouldn't come back to church, they shouldn't join our communities because uh, they know that it'll be hard for them to stop sinning. They know that they'll probably go back and sin again. Um, I was talking to someone the other day whose brother is far away from the church, and she says uh, he doesn't, he doesn't want to come back because he knows that he's probably going to keep falling into sin. And why go to confession if I'm going to sin again? Um, I think that the church has to make the message of forgiveness and acceptance so clear. Like we have to live and speak in a way that makes people see that this community is going to accept me. This community is going to receive me. This community is going to love me uh, as I am with my defects, with my weakness. There are a lot of people out there who are stuck in sin, who don't want to be stuck in sin, but they feel unworthy because the church seems to be a place for holy people. Um, our message has to be, you're welcome here. Even if you've stolen from God, like the younger brother in the parable, even if you've squandered everything in a life of living dissolutely and selfishly, uh, far away from God, even if you've rejected him or blasphemed him or shown him with your life that you hate him or even said that you hate him, uh, he longs to embrace you like the Father. He longs to run out and meet you and receive you. Even if you're still a sinner, even if you're an addict, even if you can't change, the church has to have the message that many of us in the church are actually still like that and still continually in need of God's mercy, which all of us are. We can't hide the fact that we're still continually in need of God's mercy and that we still uh, go to confession and ask for forgiveness and receive it over and over again. And that a life where you're, you're, you're still struggling to overcome sin and you uh, go to receive forgiveness often is not a sad life, that it's not miserable to go to confession often and, and to receive God's forgiveness over and over again, that it's actually beautiful. Um, 
We need to make people see that there's room for them in this church as they are. Um, yesterday we were listening in the car to uh, Father Mike Schmitz in his book, um, You Are, um, what's the book called again? Something about love? Anyway, his book about uh, homosexuality in the Catholic Church. And it's beautiful um, that he, the whole book seems to be geared to making this tremendous effort to express God's love for people who are not there yet, who are still sinners. Um, and he quotes the priest friend of his, I think, who says, uh, what if my whole church was full of people who have same-sex attraction? He says, I would want my message to be for all of them that I love you and care about you so much. That's beautiful. Right? And I think that's got to be the message of the church. Um, we can't continue living in a way that's like the older brother in the parable or like the Pharisees who make people feel uh, dirty and unworthy and wrong and guilty. Um, we need to express the message of invitation and welcome and acceptance. God who, um, the father in the, in the parable, uh, when, when the son returns home, will not let him pretend to be a slave. He will not let him pretend to be just a hired worker. He treats him like a son. He reminds him of that identity. You are my son, and I love you.